For this episode of Don't At Me, we have a starlet on the rise, actress Shantae Adams. I could hear her heels clicking like down the hallway before <laughs> I could her. And my heart was just like, <laughs> and she like just met me and she put my her hands on my shoulders and was like, you got this. Your name is Shantae for a reason. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> she went from college grad to movie star, playing the titular role in the Sundance breakout hit Roxanne Roxanne. Since then, she's appeared in movies like The Photograph and my new horror thriller, Bad Hair, due later this year. With help from some Don't At Me stands on Zoom, Shantae and I talk self-care, her rapid ascension, and her ever-evolving artistic process. You don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Okay, what is up, everybody? I am Justin Simeon. Let's talk about Shantae Adams, everybody. <laughs> so she uh, broke into the scene. It's so awkward doing this over Zoom. I don't know why, but whatever, we're going to do it. Shantae broke onto the scene in 2017 uh, with the film Roxanne, Roxanne, uh, playing Roxanne Shantae, the famed but under-acclaimed battle rapper from Queens, New York. After being named a breakout talent coming out of Sundance, she has gone on to start in Monsters of Men, The Photograph, and some movie by this hack named Justice Timmy called Bad Hair, uh, which is coming out later this year on Hulu, Promise. Uh, her stardom is ascending. I love watching it. I love basking in the glow. Thank uh, you for joining me, Shantae. Thank you for having me, Justin. Girl, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. So, you know, for everybody listening, Shantae and I met uh, shooting my film Bad Hair, which uh, was at Sundance this year and it'll be hitting on the, uh, the Hulu streaming network at some point later on. Yes. Uh, but it wasn't enough time. So I'm, I'm really glad that you're here to continue our conversations and to continue to get to know each other. Cause I think you're just so. Yes, absolutely. It feels so long ago that we shot that and like had our first meeting and everything. And so it's just such a blessing to finally be here and getting prepared to like show the world what we did. I'm so excited. I'm so excited too. And I can't wait for you to see it. It's uh, I mean, you saw it already, but yeah. there's, you know, I'm always tweaking girls. Of course. You know, now they're cut. <laughs> <laughs> For the kids to see, but um, but let's talk about you though. What what's going? On? How's your quarantine? What are you obsessed with right now uh, in pop culture? What's what's getting you through it? All right, I'm gonna be real honest. I do wake it. up around noon. I set the alarm today because I was like, "What? Well, got something to do?" Um, yeah, been waking up around noon. Uh, I uh, get into the kitchen decide that I don't have any food in my fridge and order Postmates, disinfect mm -hmm. the Postmates. Mm -hmm. um, we're eating, watching TV. Sometimes I go for a walk, but I haven't left my house in four days. So you're winning, cool. basically. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. My parents call me like three times a day. So I spend uh -huh. most of the day on the phone with them. Yeah. And what are, you, what are you watching right now? Anything good? Anything bad? <laughs> um, so what did I just finish binge watching? Okay, so I watched Tiger King like everybody else. Yes. Um, yes. Oh, Little Fires Everywhere. I just started that. Justin. It's so good. I... It is amazing. This finale episode, I don't know who's watched it, but yes, they every single person and animal on that show is acting. Down. Okay, not and animal. So I thoroughly <laughs> enjoyed that. Every um, time Reese Witherspoon says African-American, I scream. Like, <laughs> I'm, I've only seen the pilot, but I'm getting my whole life. And Kerry Washington is like giving... Yeah. It. Oh, they have to give Carrie Washington her flowers for this show. Like, oh, they better. You must. You must. Um, what else have I been watching? That's like, I mean, that's been pretty much it. What you been watching? Girl, I watch trash, you know. Oh, of course. <laughs> well, I mean, if we want to get into the trash, we can get into the trash. 90 Day Fiance. Trash. I mean, I love me a good reality show. RuPaul's Drag Race is on every Friday Drag night. Race is giving it... I mean, it's so awkward with the whole Sherry Pie of it all. Because, you know, you get that disclaimer every single episode, but she every isn't on the show yet. 
And it's like, we get it. We we don't need it every single episode. Honestly, I be forgetting that she's there unless she like wins something. They don't- Because well, they cut her out. Her out, yeah. But, what, who, are you, who are you rooting for? Which queen are you rooting for? Okay, I'm gonna be honest. I was real hurt when Jan went because I okay. was like, she has so much potential. Like oh. she was really killing the challenges. Gigi shouldn't have won the Madonna, Madonna challenge. That was just, oh, I really controversial. thought that. Huh? I, but the thing is, here's who doesn't love Gigi? Like, clearly she's going right. to take it off. Cool. I'm team Heidi. Heidi snuck up on me. I'm team I, Heidi all I, the way. I looked at Heidi the first two episodes and was like, oh, she's not going to last long. And then she just kept coming. I think that Heidi is going to be Miss Congeniality hands down. Yeah, yeah. She's she's just so naturally funny. I just, I don't know. I love that show. I love Heidi, yes. Um, but it's a good season. It's sad seeing Widow go home, but girl. It was sad seeing Widow go home. But you know what I like about that show? That show really, you know, it tries to get into the creative headspace of these queens. And, you know, I, I'm not a, I'm, I just posted a picture on Instagram wearing the wig that my boyfriend took, but I'm not a drag queen. Uh, <laughs> you know, I don't have that much talent. Um, <laughs> but I, I certainly know what they're, you know, when you get, when they get into their heads and they like, uh, you know, sort of self-sabotage and all that kind of stuff. Like, mm-hmm. it's so interesting that they really dissect that process. I think we all go through yeah. it. Cause it's hard. I can't imagine doing my hair and makeup and sewing outfits and then walking a runway. I would fail. But oh, hundo, hundo. It is my ultimate dream to guest judge on that show one day. It's Same like, oh, why haven't you? I'm not you famous, Shante. Oh please, oh please. Nobody no. knows who I am. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem. Um. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna we're actually gonna kick things off by taking uh, a question from our Culture Machine Instagram community. Okay. Uh, if you're joining us on Zoom, you can type up a question uh, with the chat feature, and Brendan is gonna uh, be asking us throughout the interview. So this first one is from Hey Delisa. It's literally <laughs> at Hey Delisa. <laughs> <laughs> And she wants to know, Shante, how did you begin your career? How did I begin my career? Okay, so I went to drama school. I went to Carnegie Mellon University in Pittsburgh, and I majored in acting. Um, After that, we have a showcase at the end of each year in LA and in New York, and I performed for a bunch of agents and managers and casting directors. And um, a couple weeks after graduation, I had just moved to New York, and a casting director, Jessica Daniels, reached out to me um, about this movie that she was casting and wanted me to come in and audition and uh that movie ended up being Roxanne Roxanne and yeah that's how it all started mm. into it. so when did you when did you know when did you know like when did you get the bug mm-hmm. so it kind of all happened for me on it wasn't a mistake it was fate but so it was my first day of high school. I went to my high school because they had the best cheer team. I was a cheerleader for 10 years. Um, and that was like the reason I was at this school. It was the first day of freshman year. I had one friend in the class. The class got canceled and they were sending everybody away. And she was like, well, I'm going to go audition for this play. And I was like, okay, well, girl, you can't leave me here. I'm going to come too. I'll wait outside. No biggie. So I try to wait for her in like the little waiting area. And my drama teacher goes, if you're in here, you to audition and I was like oh no it's not for me I'm good and she was like if you're in here you need to audition and I was like okay girl give me the sides so she gave me the little audition paper and I went up on the stage um read these lines and then the next day my name was on the cast list and I was like wow. okay, well, cheer tryouts aren't for another month like it's fine I can like do this in my spare time and yeah, like the first week of high school, I got accepted into this play. This student written play it wasn't even like a real play. Um, and then after that, cheer tryouts came and I was like, cheer tryouts, rehearsal, cheer tryouts, rehearsal. I'm gonna just go to rehearsal. I'm already here. Um, and then I just kept doing it and kept doing it. And then before I know it, I was wow. like in college for it. So 
Yeah. Wow. Now, did you feel, did you feel at a disadvantage or at an advantage, you know, kind of stumbling into it? Uh, I, I went to performing arts high school and it was the first time mm -hmm. I ever acted. And I, um, I remember like thinking, because there were a bunch of people who auditioned who had been acting since they were kids, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, it was kind of a, there were pros and there were cons to both experiences. So I'm just curious what your experience with, with that was like. You know, I didn't feel that way in high school. It was more so when I got to college that it was like, oh, these kids have been acting since they were three. And, you know, Carnegie Mellon is one of the top acting schools in the country. So we got there the first day and there was like, you think you're the best because you were the best in your high school. You're all on the same level here. But it was like, are we? Because Becky over here was on Full House or something like that when she was a baby. And so... Um, <laughs> There was like a little feeling of that because I'm like, I just started this four years ago. Uh, I've only been acting since I've been in high school. So, um, but it was just about finding my footing and my confidence and remembering that I was there for a reason and that God don't make mistakes. Yeah. And um, it worked no. out in my favor. And did you, did you find that you had any like secret advantages because you didn't have like all this prior stuff in your head? I did. I, th I felt like a lot of them that went, so my high school wasn't even a performing arts high school. It was just a, a regular public school, but it had a very strong performing arts program. And I found that a lot of the kids that were like child stars or went to um, really strict performing arts high schools, they struggled a little bit more with like their confidence and just knowing that they were good enough to be there. When thank God for my drama teacher um, instilled in us right away and was like, you are enough. Everything you have is inside of you. Go in there, represent Detroit, show them what we do and where we're from, get your degree and move on. And so, yeah. I think that's great. Cause you know, I always get asked by people, you know, I didn't go to film school or I didn't, I never was taught how to do this or how to do that. And what mm -hmm. should I do to learn? And I, and I, you know, I think it's so interesting cause it's like, sometimes you're actually, you have a bit of a leg up because you don't have the BS in your head. The, the sort yeah. of, you don't have as much baggage, mm -hmm. you know, you can kind of come at the whole thing from a fresher approach. I hear you out here, Shantae. What time does this key lock my door? You wanna be out there playing with all them hoes and you keep your ass out there, but stop knocking on my goddamn door. Uh, let's talk about Roxanne, Roxanne. Okay. Uh, how was that process, um, auditioning? How did you first find out about it? Um, yeah. and, and what was that audition process like? So, yeah, so the casting director reached out to me after Showcase. I had just moved to New York like a week and a half prior. So this was my first movie audition. Um, and so I was just happy to get the audition. And I was like, oh, okay, it's like my first film audition. And then I was, I was taking these classes through the American Theater Wing in New York at the time. So I was like, can I get permission to like go to this audition? And then they were like, yeah, sure, of course. So I went to the audition. Then I came back and I think I was hearing Denai Guerrero speak and I get this buzz on my phone and they're like call back and I was like oh cool my first call back like this is great and then I went and um I did the call back I met with um our director Michael Larnell and then that was it and I was like you know what I feel real proud of myself I got my first movie audition I got my first call back like here we go New York put it out of my mind completely like not thinking anything of it. So then like wow. a couple days later, I get another email that was like final callback. And I think that's when it hit. Cause I was like, what, what do you mean? Like what, what happens after this? Are you trying to make me do this movie? I, I just got here, but I went to the final callback. Um, it was just like me and two other girls in the waiting room. And I was like, so nervous 
Um, but I did it. I didn't feel that great about it. I was like, oh my God, I should have did this or I should have did this. But then I remember the, um, the casting assistant came after me after the audition and was like, um, sorry, sorry, sorry. Do you know how to drive? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I can drive. And they were like, okay, great. And then ran back in and I was like, what is this? Like, what, what do you need to know this for? And then a couple days later, my agent calls me and he's like, so just so you know, you're still in the running. Um, they just want to know, are you comfortable with them putting braces on you? And I was like, yeah, 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 that's fine. And they were like, okay, well, they're asking all the girls that it's fine. And I was like, okay, cool. And he was like, but you are comfortable. And I said, yeah. He was like, okay, good. Then you booked it. I was like, what? I was in the middle of Times Square and he was like, you booked it. And wow. I was like, I literally started running up and down the street of Times Square. I probably looked like a crazy person. Um, yeah. And then he was like, oh, yeah, one more thing. You start in seven days. So then, wow. yes, yeah, seven days later, I had braces and was on set. Um, <laughs> and I had just walked across the stage like six weeks before that. So it was a very fast time. Wow. That's a, okay, so I got a question from uh, Ronald. I think Ronald's iPad might be the person's name, at least on Zoom. Um, but they want to know, and I, I want to know this too, um, how much did you know about Roxanne before you filmed it? Uh, and what was it like playing someone that was like alive and around to see the performance? Yeah. So I knew a little bit about her because I have two older, older siblings um, and they're really into old school rap music. And so I would hear her name growing up. I didn't really know her music. So when I got the audition and stuff, of course I did a shitload of research. Just so y'all know, seven days is not a lot of days to be cast and like get on set. And so my wardrobe fittings and meeting her. And so I, I only got to meet her for one day before we ended up on set. And she was an executive producer. So she was there every day and watching me. And I was just like, am I okay? Am I doing okay? Like, but the first day I met her, I heard I was sitting in a chair and they were like, she's coming up the stairs. Like, um, she'll be up here in a, ma- a minute to meet you. I could hear her heels clicking like down the hallway. Before <laughs> I could her, and my heart was just like, <laughs> and she like just met me and she put my, her hands on my shoulders and was like, you got this. Your mm-hmm. name is Shantae for a reason. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So how did you, I mean, how did you handle that? Like, I mean, that's such a rush. I can only imagine. Yeah. Uh, and then the aftermath of that too, how, you know, your career literally boom, right out the gate hit. What was that experience like for you? I, I know people really glamorize that experience in their minds, but mm-hmm. how did that feel to actually go from, I think I want to be an actor to like, okay, I want to do it some more to, oh, I'm just going to star in a whole movie. right I mean at times it was overwhelming but most of the time exciting um it will it could get a little hard just because my story isn't that common so I didn't really know who to turn to or go to and Mm -hmm. so luckily I developed amazing relationships with Mimi Valdez and uh, Nina Yang who produced Roxanne Roxanne and they kind of guided and helped me through the entire process because Like, for example, while I was filming, this new girl right out of college, she was, like, trying to focus on this movie and, like, this lead role and who's on set every day for, like, 12 to 14 hours. I'm getting all these emails and calls from all these agents and managers that are, like, we need to meet with you. Like, you need to sign with us. And I'm just, like, I don't know what to do. And I, like, cried to Nina one day. And I was, like, they keep calling me and emailing me. And she's just, like, we'll take care of it. We'll handle it. Like, don't even worry about it. And so just like being able to have those mentors was really beneficial to me because I did not know what I was doing at all. Shoot. I'm still struggling a little bit sometimes, but um, it's, it's, it's better, but it was hard at first. And of course, exciting. And then I have my parents who are my biggest fans um, cheering me on every step of the way. And uh, the most exciting part I for me is getting them to see everything that I do and meet people and bringing them places. So it's been good. It's a wild ride, but it's been good. What's been the most surprising? I I find myself always in situations like, I did not realize this is how this was going to be. What was the most surprising part uh, after the movie came out? Um, 
I think the most <laughs> safe space. Just us. <laughs> um, what was the most surprising part? I mean, I think I'm just such I'm such a private person and I knew it was like, okay, you know, the movie comes out, people are going to know who you are. But like, I, listen, I wake up and I go to the grocery store. I don't got time to brush my hair and like put on, put on this and that. And so like getting stopped while I'm like not in my best and they're like, you're that girl from that movie. Can we get a picture? And I'm like, <laughs> um, yeah. you say yes. Do you take the picture? It, it really depends. Like, if it's nine o'clock in the morning and I'm at Trader Joe's in my house shoes, then no. But, <laughs> um, but most of the time, I try to because it's still. I mean, it's still cool. Like, they're still very new to me. So, um, and it's always nice to connect with people. I like that. Yeah. All right. So we got a question from Yasmin. She wants to know from both of us. I'm gonna let you go first. What was Sundance like? With the, um, with the first film. Okay, so, oh gosh, so crazy. People dream of Sundance. People have all kind of ideas of what it is in their heads. They so. do. And honestly, I was like, I went to Sundance two years in a row and was like, I need a break. <laughs> <laughs> um, because Sundance happens all on one street, of course. And the year that Roxanne Roxanne premiere was the biggest blizzard that I think Sundance has like ever had. And so wow. there was snow up to my thighs, like trying to get out of um, my little house and get to all these interviews and these meetings. And it's just so crowded and I'm claustrophobic. Oh, and I'm yeah. like, there's too many people on the street. And it was also um, right after Donald Trump's inauguration. So there was the Women's March and all of this stuff happening at the same time too. So it was completely overwhelming, but um, also so exciting to be able to like be there and see all of these people and all of these stars and and Nia <laughs> Nia is just like she's always turning to me like girl I got you just follow me and she's so small she's so small and I just like our entire Sundance was just me like following her like okay <laughs> I love it like, move 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 <laughs> I love it I love how you just like listen this is my destiny okay I have yep. places to go <laughs> I'm <laughs> I love that about you. Um, my Sundance was way, both of my Sundances were extremely traumatic. <laughs> because they do be. It's traumatic. You know, I, I think people underestimate the feeling of uh, exposure that you feel when you're yeah. doing, when you're doing what we do, you know, when you're making art and stuff and trying to translate that art into commerce. It's a very interesting feeling. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you have a preference between like, um, like your theater work and film and like the Hollywood thing, which one do you prefer? Um, I think at heart, I'm a theater girl. That's just mm. like how I came into the arts. That's what I went to school for. Um, I just haven't been back on the stage since 2016, but I am like dreaming of the day that I do get to be back on the stage. There's just something about connecting with the audience and that energy that's with everyone being in one room that I miss. But on the film and television side, I also have learned to love it. I've truly fallen in love with it because initially I was like, what is this? Why is this camera so close to me? And you want me to do what? Like, you want me to do what to this dot that you put on the camera because the person can't stand there? Yep. Um, so it was an adjustment to make for sure, but I think that film and television grew my imagination mm. um, because you have to. So sometimes you don't get your scene partner. Sometimes you get the script advisor that is reading the lines with you while you're doing a phone scene or something like that. So just adjusting to that and learning to love it. But yeah, I'm definitely a theater girl. And what's that, talk to me about your process. Like when you, you know, when people talk about an actor doing the craft, you know, mm -hmm. um, what is that for you? What, what do you, what is your dream scenario? And then what usually happens? Like, how do you prepare? Uh, <laughs> okay, so it, it honestly depends on the role. 
Like if there is something that's involved with be if there's like an additional element to the world, like with Roxanne Roxanne, it was more so that this was an actual biopic and this was a real person. So I had to do extensive research on her and her mannerisms and her voice and her music and learning all of that. Um, but when it's somebody like Christina in the photograph where I get to create her kind of from the ground up, um, I, I do a lot of prep work before that because she did still have a job that I needed to like learn how to do of photography and everything. But um, a lot of the times I, I do a lot of work on set and playing and trying different things and really getting into the body and stuff like that. So my process definitely varies and it, it just depends on each character. Right, right. And, and uh, I guess in terms of like, you know, what do you look for in a director? Like what kind of experiences did have, have been great? What mm-hmm. have been not so great? Mm-hmm. You know, cause you, especially actors that come from the theater world, like y'all yeah. know the craft on a certain level. And I, I know it's a bit, it's right. a bit bad in Hollywood. So two things, the biggest thing that I'm looking for in a director now is collaboration. I find it very difficult if, you have this vision, a very narrow vision of a character. I don't think I can fit into that box because this character is now mine and I am doing um, her the way that I feel she should be done. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't take notes. I love a note. I love criticism. I love all of that. But um, it just, there has to be a, a, a balance for me. And I feel like, uh, I just need to feel like my voice is heard. Like if every idea that I'm bringing to the table about the character is shut down, then I don't feel safe. Like I'm not safe in my character. I'm not safe in myself as an actor. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was the other thing? Well, that's what I look for in a director. Oh, I had to learn a lot graduating from school and transitioning from theater to film because in theater, the director's job is all about the actor. That's Mm -hmm. what they're concerned about. That's what they're concerned about in rehearsals. I got to film and television and uh, I barely saw my director sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, after each take, I remember on the first day, I'm like, is that okay? Like, are we, are we doing notes? Like what? Are you, are you going to say something? He's like over here, like this is the shot. Here's the lighting, all of this. And I was always so grateful for Nia because she saw that in me and was like, I'll give you some notes, girl. Come here. And was like kind of directing me when it came to the acting portion of it, just helping me out a bit because I was so... I was just used to being reliant on the directors of theater and how they work. And so it was just an adjustment that I had to make, but now I'm good. I mean, I can imagine that because you're sort of, you know, I imagine that with film, it's so different because in theater, you're feeding off the audience, but in film, you're not going to at all see what your performance is until months later. And I imagine it can feel so vulnerable to not know. Was I good? Did I do the way you wanted? Did I serve the story? Yeah. But in film and TV, you learn that, like, if the director doesn't give you any notes, you're good. Just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. We'll be right back with Shante Adams. Hey, guys, it's Cheyenne Davis. You may know me from MTV's Teen Mom OG or Think Loud Crew podcast. I'm here with my dad, Papa Floyd, to tell you about our new podcast, Unfiltered Kitchen. The kitchen is the hub of the household for many of us. The one-stop shop for conversations both big and small. Cheyenne and I have been having open conversations about all aspects of life in our kitchen since well before she was able to see over the counter. And now we're inviting you into our own kitchen as a part of the family. Unfiltered Kitchen is a two-way street. I share my advice on cocktails, cooking, parenting, and the lessons I've learned. And I inform my dad what it's like to raise kids today, how generational barriers affect us, and the joys of being a daughter. Well, your daughter. Get ready for a whole lot of unfiltered advice. You can take it or leave it, but you're never going to leave this table feeling hungry for more. Listen to Unfiltered Kitchen wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. 
We're back. <laughs> it's magic. Um, all right, let's. I'm going to actually have Brendan Logan hop on to uh, ask Shante an audience question from the folks that are joining us on Zoom. Hi, Brendan. Hi, Brendan. Hello. How's it going? Um, yeah, so we have a couple questions here, and I'm going to just ask uh, one of them. One is from Ronnie. Um, I'm not really sure how to say his last name. I'm going to say Ronnie. He says, I'm really interested in acting as an escape from racial identity versus acting as a com- as a confirmation of racial identity. I often think about how colorblind auditions versus color conscious auditions impact black actor self-esteem. How do you navigate which auditions you decide to take in your journey to become mainstream? Mm, that's, that's a, a big question. question. So, question. yeah. But that's like, how do you... That's good. Yeah. I, so a lot of times when auditions come to me that aren't specified as like, this is a black one, bae, I'm very picky about them. I'm extremely picky because also I've just, we know Hollywood. And if you are, if they've already like attached this, you know, Harry Styles type of character and they're like we're looking for his love interest and she needs to be quirky and fun and like um youthful I'm usually like nah I'm good I'm not gonna waste my time with that because right now I know that you're gonna end up hiring some redhead a whether I give a great audition or not um So it's just kind of navigating that. But if I feel like the part is like, oh my God, this is like super amazing. A lot of times, and I'm not afraid to do this, I speak with my team and I'm like, I need you to actually talk to these producers and get their opinions of whether they are genuinely considering hiring a black girl and not a mixed race black girl. Um, Because there is a difference. You know, I think that Hollywood sees the they, they they don't see me as Zendaya like that we're just too different now Zendaya is the girl she's the bomb absolutely but um I think that Hollywood when it comes to a lot of these roles they see us differently and so I don't want to I don't want to say like waste my time a lot of the time but that's just how I feel about them but my team also knows that about me and that what I'm passionate that's not opposite acting opposite somebody like Harry Styles isn't necessarily what I'm passionate about doing, like those teen love stories or anything like that. And my team knows that. So um, bring me the work that is about the community and is about Black people, because at the end of the day, that's what I'm trying to do anyways. So I think it's, you know, it's just about what you want to do and what you're trying to do um, as an actor. And with your I, think that's, I think that's great. And I want, I want you to talk a little bit more about um, what, what makes you passionate about a project uh, or about a role. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm always just looking for roles that pose Black women as multifaceted and colorful. If I feel like this character is boxed in or can be labeled as a certain way, that's not what I want. Like, I'm looking for complexities. I'm looking for, I want to explore levels in a person and in a character. Um, so yeah, bring me the complicated stuff. Bring me a character with a secret. Let me, let me, give me something to play with. Mm-hmm. No, I've been getting a lot of questions about the photograph. People just love you, love you, love you in that movie. No, I want you. I want to be married to you. I'm not ready to get married. What more do you want? I want people to know who I am. In my my photographs, I love you, but my greatest accomplishment each day cannot be cooking your dinner. I have never understood how to make you happy. Uh, I'm going to read one of them now. Uh, Someone in our Zoom who's the username just says iPhone. So that was your shot, iPhone. I'm just kidding. No, here's a question. You were simply brilliant in the photograph. Where did you draw research and inspiration from to create such a dynamic and authentic representation of this type of powerful black woman? Um, My mother and music. 
I, yeah, Christina was very specific because of the time period that she grew up in and it being the 80s. And that was like the time where my mom was in her 20s and she was falling in love for the first time. So I drew a lot of inspiration from pictures of my mom um, when she was younger and music. I just have like, I had a whole Christina playlist that had nothing but Anita Baker and Luther Vandross and Rick James and like the music was just so good then. So to be my age then and what that meant, that was like, um, that was my biggest thing. Um, Is acting, is it an escape for you or, or do you find that you actually have to kind of confront things when you do it, when you take on a role? I think it's a little bit of both. It's definitely an escape because I'm getting to step into somebody else's shoes, but also being able to go home afterwards and be myself is also an escape because it is still my job. Um, And yes, stepping into different characters uh, definitely makes you confront things within yourself because when you are playing a character that you don't necessarily agree with as a person, you have to find some some way to make their decisions and their choices valid. Mm-hmm. And if you're able to recognize that as a, a person to be like, okay, this is why she did this, then your views of what you think on certain situations start to shift. And so, yeah, I mean, if you if you real into it, you, you definitely start to confront some things within yourself, which can be a really beautiful thing. I think that acting has helped me tremendously with growing as just a woman and as a person. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, were, there, was there, were there any, uh, I guess, negative ex- or difficult experiences with that where you felt like a character was sort of taking you and your life into a place that, you know, felt uncomfortable? Um, no, I've... I'm very careful about making sure I I try to leave work at work and I have like my whole routine after I come back from set where it's just like, all right, we're going to shower. We're going to eat. We're going to put on some trash TV, like stuff, especially if it's been a very emotional and long day. Like we'd be on set for 16 hours. And if you work in for all of them hours, then just like the stress of your body. And so I just try to be really careful and make sure I'm taking care of myself while filming. It's just so important. Yeah, that's great. And um, speaking of routines, like what is, uh, I guess like what is the, um, do you have like a strategy or a specific way to watch yourself? I I know for me, I I literally am having to learn how (laughs) to watch my own shit because it's like, yeah. It's, it gets real weird after you see it for the 14th billionth time. Yeah. I so it was the, it's the opposite for me. The more I see it, the more comfortable I become with it. It's usually the first time I see it where I start cringing and mm. the, my the hair rises off my skin like I just can't. But it's it's hard. That's so hard because when you are acting you know i'm not in video village like i don't know how things are looking or you know i can't run after every scene to look at the monitor and be like play this back play this back and i worked with an actor that did that yeah and i wanted to just chop his head off because it was (laughs) like we are in this and i also don't want to do that because it takes me out of the scene like i'm trying to make this story authentic as possible quit running to the monitor all the damn time right um but I just, I put a lot of trust in y'all directors with <laughs> the good takes where my hair is not sticking up. And, uh, <laughs> we try, so, girl. But yeah, I got used to seeing myself on film because at first it was hard because I was in theater. I wasn't really used to seeing myself through self-tapes. Self-tapes mm-hmm. were how I got used to being just getting over the like, all right, I'm blinking too much, stuff like that, and actually being able to critique myself and give myself notes. Um, So if you feel like you can't really watch yourself on camera, my advice to you would be to just in the comfort of your own home, start filming yourself, start filming Mm -hmm. yourself, start giving yourself notes, like watch yourself over and over and over again, because eventually, you know, you just become a a better actor. Um, And I knew the moment that all of that was fading away when I could go, hmm, that was good. 
That was a good scene. I've never heard that before, and that is such good advice. If you want to be an actor, just film yourself acting. Yeah. Give yourself notes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're able to identify watching television and movies, like what is good acting and like the choices that they're making, and then you can do that within yourself once you get over the hump of it being you. Do you think you'll ever direct? You know, I don't know. <laughs> Ask me in 10 years. Okay, fair enough. You got time, girl. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to, Brendan, unmute because you got a bunch of questions from the audience for us. Give, give us give us one of the good ones. There are, there are a lot of questions. Um, all good, but you know. <laughs> one here is, um, let's see, we got one from already. All right, so we have one. I'm going to butcher your name. I believe it's Epiphany, E-P-H-R-A-N-E-T-T-E. Um, Brown, but question for both of you. Is there a type of character or narrative you want to create or bring to the forefront? Anything that you're interested in and exploring? Mm. I mean, you kind of talked about a little bit, uh, Shante, about what uh, made you passionate about a role, but is there yeah. is there like something that you're dying to do or dying to bring the kids? <laughs> Um, so my like dream role is I really want to do a biopic on someone during the civil rights movement that we don't really know a lot about. Mm. Uh, so that's like something that I really want to do. I'm trying to get the Marvel bag and be a superhero yes. eventually, but yeah, I, I love being surprised when I read a script. And it's just like, ooh, I didn't know that I want to do this, but I want to do this. Wow. Um, so, yeah. Is what it, you looking for? What you looking for? Oh, you know. Um, I, I, don't, I can't really get excited about something unless I'm causing some kind of trouble in some <laughs> way. You know, I, I like talking about things that I'm not supposed to talk about or that people don't talk about. It's not polite to bring these things up. I like... Um, I like subversive things. I like to play with genre and mix and match and experiment, but also give you something that's like familiar, but also something, you know, new. Uh, yeah. That just, that's what gets me excited. And uh, I don't know, I can't get excited about something that feels like I've seen it before, or I've done it before, or, you know, mm -hmm. um, or I've done it already even. Like I just, I don't know. So I'm looking, I'm always looking for stuff that'll be exciting, but also get me into trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Always getting into trouble. Um, was there was there a moment, Shantae, when you fell in love with the craft? Like, what was was there like a, a moment when the clouds parted and you were like, "Oh, this is my calling," or was it gradual? There, there was a very specific moment. Mm -hmm. It's actually a really funny story. So okay. I was it was my sophomore year of high school, and we were doing rent. And I was playing Mimi and my, I was 15 years old and my drama teacher tells this story all the time, but she's like, you're not getting it. Like, you're not, you're not digging into her. Like, you're not understanding. And I was like, I don't know what you want me to do. Like, am I supposed to smoke crack or like do drugs? And I was just like, I went to her after class and I was like, look, MC, that's her name, MC. And I was like, MC, if you want me to do it, like, I'll do it. Okay, like, I just want you to know that I'm passionate about it. So like, if I gotta try drugs, I'll try drugs. And she's like, no, that's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I mean. It's about like digging into the depth of the character and feeling her heartbreak and feeling her pain. And there was this one night where I'm like doing one of the scenes, it's during one of the shows. And I, I just, that was the first moment that I realized how powerful words are and saying the words of the character and like singing Mimi's songs. And I just started bawling like on the stage or like Mimi gets her heart broken. And I was like, after, after the show, I was like, this is it. Like, this is what I want to do. Like, there's no better feeling and there's no better high when you break through a character. Mm -hmm. Um, and you feel like you fully understand them. And that was me at like 15. And so once I got older and continued to learn more about the craft, I think I felt even deeper in love with it. Um, and I'm still falling in love with it. It's, it's, a, it's a marriage, the, the arts and, and being an artist, it's a marriage because it's not always easy. Um, yeah. You gotta constantly put in work to better yourself for it. Right. Um, and so, but yeah, I, I find myself constantly falling in and out of love with what I do. 
Yeah. Talk to me about the last time you fell out of love with it. Because, you know, a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of people who tune into Don't At Me, they're, they're trying to get somewhere. You know, they're trying to break mm-hmm. through or they're trying to come back or they're trying to make something happen. And, you know, I, to me, as a writer, the most important times are the times when I don't want to do it. Yeah. I make when I find a reason to keep going or, you know, through disappointment or just through the process can be so laborious. Mm-hmm. What's the last time you fell out of love with it? And how did you how did you come back? There were there were actually two times mm-hmm. that that are really um, important in my journey where I fell out of love with it. Like the first time was actually after Roxanne Roxanne came out. And and the, I think the reason that I fell out of love with it is because I felt like I was p- putting so much into it and I'm like auditioning for all of these things and I'm getting called back for all of these things and I just like wasn't I went I think almost a year without booking anything and but I got so close to everything and it was always like okay she was amazing in Roxanne Roxanne but what else does she have and my people are like well she doesn't have anything yet because like she needs to book more things like she graduated school you know and college guys and it's not like after you start a movie on Netflix, you can go do a guest star on like Law and Order. So um, there was just this period of of not working where I was just like, I want to give up at this point because like, or or it was like, well, was that my prime? Like, was that it for me? And so just in theater actually is what helped me get through it because I just started reading more plays and like when taking trips to New York and going to see shows and stuff like that. Um, because I was really struggling at that moment because once you, you do, you are part of something like as big as Roxanne Roxanne was and everything was like, well, I don't know. It felt like Hollywood was treating me like, well, that could have been a fluke. So, and I'm like, no, like I can do other things. Um, I also played like a 14 year old rapper and I was, in my 20s, I was like an actual 20 something. And so everything that was coming was like, oh, she's too young. And my team is like, no, she's like actually an actor, just give her a chance. But eventually like we broke through that. Um, But that was one time. And then the second time was actually a year ago. Uh, I went and I shot a movie in Romania And I think I fell out of love with it because I was just going through a lot personally. I was shooting a movie um, in a very, very white place uh, that was not like catering to my needs personally. Like they eat three types of meat per meal over there and I was vegan and like there were no black people or people of color period. I'd walk out of the hotel and like literally traffic would stop. Cause they're like an African. And I'm like, okay, like, you know, so, and I had to stay over there for three months. Um, it was just a, a very interesting experience, but yeah. I felt like, but because of that, I wasn't happy, like, going to set every day. And, like, I wasn't happy to be doing this job. Like, I just, of course, like, I put my all into it. And, you know, as my MC would say, put it in your work. That was, like, the advice that she always gave us. Put it in your work, like, whatever you're going through. And that's what I did. But I just, I wanted to get out so bad mm-hmm. that it was, like, I, I, after that, I was, like, I need a break. Like, I can't, I don't want to work for the next couple of months or um, I need I needed time to myself. And um, I took that and then I went back to work and I fell back in love with it. <laughs> well, I, thank you for sharing that because I think, um, I think it's so important, you know, it's about, a, you have a, I, I find that you have a relationship with your art and mm-hmm. that relationship exists whether or not you're working. <laughs> And it needs, I love that you, you, you compared it to a marriage because it needs the same kind of care, uh, mm-hmm. no matter what the outside is giving you or not giving you. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to take another break and we'll be right back with the don't at me section. Are you ready, Shantae? I'm ready. Okay, honey. Um, okay. So you can only, you can only say don't at me to one of these questions. Okay. But you must answer the other two. So you get to choose when, if at all, you want to use your don't at me. Uh, and we're going to start with this one. What is to you the best, worst 
film or TV show of all time? We're talking guilty pleasure. Mm, the best, worst. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay. <sighs> you just say, Grace, just a couple of us, you know, it's fine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go with power. Oh, the show Power, okay. Yeah. That is a brave and controversial choice. All right. <laughs> okay, this one I feel like may not be that controversial, but I'm curious to know, cause you're, you know, you're from Detroit, you play Roxanne. Uh -huh. You got the top five. Rappers? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Well, who uh, they is? Okay, Andre 3000, uh, Missy Elliott. Yes. Um, oh, Megan Thee Stallion. Of course. Um, <laughs> um, I have to say Roxanne Chante because one time I did it and then she was like, if you ever do a top five again and you don't, yeah, I get it. <laughs> but she'll forever be in my top five. And then the greatest rapper alive, Beyonce. Oh, I love it. Okay, so you bring an H down into it. I like that. I like that about you, Shante, because you know I'm from Houston, so I appreciate that. Um, okay, and here's the last one. Was there ever a part that you auditioned for or that your team sent you for, that you went up for, that you prayed that you wouldn't get it? And what was that part? Oh, don't at me. <laughs> don't at me, period. We gotta don't at me, I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so we have some, uh, just a, maybe 10 more minutes. Um, this has been a really, really wonderful question. Uh, sorry, this has been a really wonderful interview, Shante, even through the weird pandemic circumstance. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna ask you the question that everyone asks at the end of an interview. What's next? We heard about League of Their Own. Uh, obviously you were in uh, a movie called Bad Hair that I made, and uh, you were fantastic <laughs> in it. Um, <laughs> What can we look forward to from you? Yeah, so I have two movies coming out this year. Um, one is called Voyagers, which I did with Lionsgate. Um, it's like a, a sci-fi space movie. So this black girl goes yes. to space. Love um, the black in outer space. Yes, and then the other one, I can't remember the name. It's about hair and it's bad, um, bad hair. Yeah, that's coming out. <laughs> um, yes, and then of course, bad hair by the wonderful Justin Simeon. Um, yeah, and then I just finished my Amazon pilot, A League of Their Own. I learned how to play baseball. It's hard. Um, and so, yeah, we're just waiting on words, seeing if that gets picked up. Hopefully, that goes so I can have a job. Um, nice. out of the pandemic, that'd be great. Um, and so yeah, that's it. I love it. Well, thank you for giving us your time today, Shante. Um, and thank you to all the culture machines up in the up in the chat asking questions. Thank you so much, Shante. I appreciate you so thank you much. For having me. I can't wait to give you a hug in person when this is over. <laughs> all right, Justin. See you. All right, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, y'all. Don't At Me is brought to you by producers Jason Smith from Starburns Audio, as well as Aliyah Jihad and Brendan Smith of Culture Machine. Jessica Gutierrez is our audio engineer. Judith Cargbo is our production coordinator. Theme song is by Chris Bowers, and additional music is by Dominic German. Thanks, y'all. Starburns Audio, a podcast. <clears throat> a podcast network.